Hey, everybody. This is Keith Hancock alongside my partner, Confida and pal, Christine DeVita. And welcome back to another episode of Behind the Counter. Good evening, Christine. How are you today? Hey, Keith, how you doing? How is your week? My week's going good. I'm really excited to be here as Easter is upon it. us. Feeling extremely hoppy today. Um, <laughs> I think we should start off with the great story that you were telling me a little bit about your dining experience you had today at a local chain. Let me tell you something. I went to uh, the Outback with one of our recruiters, Vinny Amodio, and I have an intolerance to dairy. So this is really the first time I've actually asked a thousand questions of what's in what instead of waiting to get home and not feeling well. The level of customer service in this Outback was nothing I have ever seen before in my entire life, even for companies that I've worked for. The server was just extremely knowledgeable about every single ingredient in every single dish. What had dairy, what didn't have dairy, what type of dairy was in the, um, you know, the sauces or whatever. She even went so far to say, she goes, you ordered the, uh, what is it called? I ordered the chicken with barbecue sauce. She's like, I'm going to have them put the barbecue sauce on the side for you because it has powdered milk in it. And I'm not sure how you're going to react to it. Not only was she extremely knowledgeable, the manager delivered every single one of my dishes and explained what was in each part of the dish, the mm. protein, the vegetable. And he goes, I know you wanted a loaded baked potato. He goes, but I took the liberty of putting the butter and the sour cream on the side. He goes, because I'm not really sure if you could tolerate that. He goes, I want you to understand that we whip our butter in-house. He goes, but we add dairy to it. Mm. So I was like, all right, I can't have that. Didn't even ask him for anything else. I was just like, I'll deal with the sour cream because I know I could eat sour cream. Guy came back, freshly cut butter pats right from the stick. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. I, I enjoyed my whole meal because it was just delicious. It was fresh. Afterwards, I thanked the server, obviously tipped her well, and then sought out Keith. Uh, his name is Keith Mastranda. And I shook his hand. I said, I just want to say thank you. I said, I'm in the industry. I was like, I've worked for different companies and this was the first time I have ever experienced this level of customer service with a food allergy. The guy was like, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And I wrote down his name. We need to tag them because he, his corporate office needs to know how amazing he is. Let's absolutely tag him. Must be in the name, right? True leaders of hospitality named Keith. <laughs> Champions of the industry. Captains of the industry. <laughs> that's it, man. <laughs> in our legends in our own mind. That's awesome, though. You know, Outback does a good job. But actually, the one thing I've always said about Outback is they are one of the most consistent chains I dine at. I have actually yeah. never had a mistake at any location I've gone to. Yeah. It is just always like they got that down to a science. I mean, amazing. Blown away. Can't say enough good things. And they have great loaded cheese fries, and now I'm thinking of their bread, and now I'm going to have to go. <laughs> I'm going to have to go to Steakhouse. I probably haven't been in like 10 years. We just talked about it. Remember I said, and I said, I told my friend from Australia, that was, I don't need to go to Australia because I've been to Outback Steakhouse. Yeah. <laughs> Tell someone from Australia that. <laughs> Steakhouse from a land down under. She's like, we don't even know what the fuck that is in Australia. Pardon my French. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, moving on. So interesting going from a steakhouse to this next thing I was reading about. There's a lab growing meat, apparently, uh, making strides in 2022. And 
Interesting article. Josh Tarek is the co-founder and CEO of Cultivated Meat. It's a startup. He imagines a day where meat will grow in a lab and is available everywhere from Michelin star restaurants to street vendors to food chains. Oh, wow. That's got to be a huge investment. I don't know how the hell you would go about growing meat. Like, I can't even, that. that's some real scientific stuff right there. Like, well, well, it says that cultivated and cultured meats are real animal products made in labs and commercial production facilities. Okay. So right now they say the price is costly, but researchers and entrepreneurs say over time, manufacturing will become more efficient and less expensive. Mm-hmm. And if consumers switch to cultivated meat, uh, it could help reduce greenhouse gases from agriculture and ease climate change. Mm. Although then again, I always thought McDonald's was doing this already. Yeah. <laughs> I'm joking. It's on some level, they make <laughs> fun of their meat. I don't care. I love a nice McDonald's cheeseburger, but once in a while. Did you read how they do it? No. Tell. I mean, I, I glazed over that part. I was just, I was, it was just more the heading. Tell me about it. So Tetrix said it, it is real meat. And instead of needing billions of animals and all the land and water and all the rainforest you typically need to knock down to make that happen, we start with a cell. You could get the cell from a biopsy of an animal, a fresh piece of meat or a cell bank. Mm -hmm. Now we don't need the animal anymore. Then we identify nutrients needed to feed that cell and we make it in a stainless steel vessel called a bioreactor. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know vegetarians who don't, who like meat and just don't eat it because they don't like killing of the animals. I wonder if they would eat this. I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know either. Um, but I would try it. Who knows? Maybe, maybe 10 years from now, we'll see it at the Javits restaurant show. I would like to know like the handling procedures, the food safety piece of it, you know, like, yeah, probably not even developed yet, but interesting. Nonetheless, very but interesting. And as, as we're talking about, so that was from, uh, just give a shout out to CNBC on that one. QSR Magazine had a good article, the, uh, March 16th, by Susan Blake there, talking about where's plant-based meat going. And it, it's funny, when you scroll down and look at the article, you see the picture of it looks like a you know country-style chicken sandwich. Yeah. That looks like but chicken to me. It's not. Um, have you ever tried some of the more higher-end, like, stuff they have coming out now i have like beyond burger no beyond burger tastes like meat however they do it couldn't tell the difference it's crazy you know they're, they're saying in this article that the pandemic disrupted much of consumer behavior but the tide was already turning when it came to meat alternatives so even more so than today pre-covid it's more about health um that's on the top that's on the front of the diner's awareness this article is quoted, we believe there is a better way to feed our future and the small every day choices made by individuals, such as shifting the protein, such as, pardon me, shifting the protein at the center of the plate to a plant-based meat can have a great impact on personal health and the health of our planet. Crazy. It's saying that Beyond Meat products are available at roughly 130,000 retail and food service outlets in more than 90 countries worldwide. So it's definitely taken off from years ago. The only time I've ever had Beyond Meat was actually the Whopper. How was that? I wouldn't have. You could have told me it was a regular one. You're kidding me. No lie. The only thing is it wasn't as greasy, you know, like a burger. But their burgers aren't generally greasy in general. But I went there specifically to try it because I was like, let's just see what this is about. You know what I mean? Because I've never had it. And I got to tell you, it was really close. Yeah. Like maybe, you know, if, let me put it this way, knowing I think is why I would have sensed it. But if you just threw that in front of me and said, here's a Whopper, I wouldn't have questioned you. 
Wow. Yeah. So it's definitely maybe partially, uh, you know, a mental thought. They're also saying that Beyond Burgers uses 99% less water, 93% less land, and nearly 50% less energy and generate 90% fewer greenhouse gas emissions than the production of a quarter pound U.S. beef burger. Interesting. Hearing all this production of growing real meat or what they're doing plant-based, it kind of makes me think of, you ever go to Epcot Center as a kid? Yes. And they take you in like the land and all that stuff. Like, and they were Mm -hmm. like, I remember they were like growing plants without soil and stuff like that. Yeah. Like this is that Epcot Center kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, that that they were doing with food. From what I remember, I haven't been there in God knows how long. You know, they're saying as consumers look for more diverse protein options, restaurants that provide these options can stay ahead of the curve. Very true. Which is why you even see like fast food giants like Burger King. At Beyond Meat, they create products that enable people to eat what they love, like juicy, delicious burgers at their favorite restaurant without having to compromise on the taste, health, or sustainability. Oh, wow. Um, so also, speaking to the younger customers, uh, Gen Z, increasingly aware of environmental implications of their food choices, are voting with their dollars by supporting brands that align with their ideals. Smith says it's expensive to buy an electric car, but for roughly $6, a consumer can buy Beyond Burger and make a powerful statement. And I was actually thinking that as I reread this, that, you know, the, the, the left does a lot of things that cost a lot of money, but it doesn't cost. I mean, I've never paid more money for a veggie burger because I actually do like a veggie burger every now and then. OK, especially beet based ones. They're pretty good. And uh, no. it's not like they're over. It's not like it's like $30 for one. Um, <laughs> In October, Whole Foods Market became the first retailer to offer Light Life's unbreaded plant-based chicken product in more than 500 prepared food depart- foods departments in the U.S. and Canada. So a lot going on there. Um, definitely something I would recommend to anybody who owns a restaurant to track because as the article said, it is true. You want to be ahead of this curve. It's not going away. Let me put it, that's, let me put it to you that way. There's, there's the Beyond Burgers and whatever it is, making chicken out of plants and everything else that they do, that's that's here to stay. So I would definitely start to, if I was a chef, I would want to train myself as how to prepare these dishes and what trendy ways are doing about it and get in the herb and get creative. And if I was a restaurant owner, same thing. Well, I mean, also you have the new the newer generations, Gen Z, Gen Alpha, millennials, whatever other generations there are before us that are really into the environment and look for items like this. Right. You know what I'm saying? Who are very conscious about what they eat. And as long as it has the right flavor profile, mm-hmm. right? And new and exciting ingredients, uh, you know, it's going to sell. It's going to sell. So exactly what Keith said, hop on the trend and uh, get yourselves um, educated and start adding some items to your menus. Hop on the trend. Was that an Easter hop pun? Hop on the trend. <laughs> <laughs> So we got to have our, which, which this is not on purpose, but our weekly Starbucks article. Um, I love it. And here we are. Cheers to Starbucks, my Starbucks mug. Out of COVID, Starbucks turns focus to wages, efficiency, and sustainability. So we reported that they retired. The old CEO's out. Well, the old CEO technically is in. They had Kevin Johnson, the CEO, is out, who is covering for the founder, Howard Schultz, who is probably running it, like I said, as a puppet master from behind the scenes anyway. Just felt like doing it from a yacht. God bless him. I'm jealous. Starbucks um, <laughs> employees, Rosanna Williams, Starbucks executive vice president of North America, said the chain will continue offering access to pandemic benefits for eligible workers. Oh, wow. Interesting what they're doing over Crazy. there. 
catastrophe pay, extended childcare benefits, expanded mental health support, vaccine pay, and food and beverage allowances, as well as partner relief to help address unique needs in different parts of the world. Starbucks reiterated to $1 billion into a billion dollar investment in wages, training, and benefits. The company will increase hourly pay by an average of 17% over 18 months with starting ranges of 15 to $23. Seniority pay will also climb to five and 10% for employees with two or more than five years of tenure, respectively. Crazy. They also added uh, on the recruiting fronts, right? It added more than 70 new staffing recruiters across markets and hoping of hiring 5,000 new employees each week. Wow. That's a tall number. That's good. You know, like, and I, we talked about the other day, there have always been a company that offers or were known for offering a lot of great things to their staff before that was a thing that people cared about. Let's be honest, you know, yeah. as far as publicity yeah. and stuff like that goes. So we'll give them credit there. They have a lot of good things going. Aside from their union issue in Buffalo, they're uh, continuing to keep their brand relevant. Mm-hmm. They are. I mean, they're they're going to introduce more efficient coffee brewing comp- uh, equipment, right? right. Um, they're installing Merry Chef ovens. Uh, to improve cook times and consistency with their bakery items and food items. Uh, and they're um, deploying new handheld ordering devices. Next thing I thought was interesting coming out of Eater, Los Angeles restaurant keeps selling a dish that loses money on it. Why? Why would you do that, Christine? Why would you sell a dish? That's called your loss leader. So they're looking at it. I guess the dish is called um, beef. I couldn't pronounce it. I'm not that smart. Looks like a bami. Yeah. So basically what they were saying was I find interesting doing something for the guest is, you know, they want the guest it's to come in and order this beef dish and have other things, but they recognize the emotional connection that guests have to it and they don't want to take it off the menu. I mean, they don't want to raise the prices, but they could potentially, you know, I just thought that was interesting. You know, we offer we often presume to understand, as it's quoted in here, restaurant economics because we know what a chicken breast costs at the supermarket. I could make the dish home for five dollars, which is a con which is a thing. Whenever somebody I dine with somebody and they start saying I could make this at home, you know, I could have made this salad at home for two bucks, I'm like, that's exactly where you should have made it. Because you just don't appreciate dining. You know, like you just don't exactly. like that's you're not the type of person who should dine. You're absolutely um, right. So it says could we? Well, here Eater looks at the cost of the dish and what goes into it. And it goes to show that, yes, even though um, an interesting breakdown of food cost here as well, which I thought, so the menu price is ten fifty, right? The total cost of yeah. the restaurant is thirteen fifty one. So they lose $3.01 every time they sell this dish. Okay. It goes to show people don't factor in the labor and they don't think about all the other things that comprises of making that dish when they go out and the overhead and all that stuff. So yeah, theoretically, you could make it home for four or five dollars but there's other things and there's also the cost of the experience of dining nice with that just brought me to a little pro tip on restaurants you know when you write your menu and your menu mix you want to balance out you want to cost out your menu properly you got to make sure that your product mix doesn't have too many high-end steak dishes that are selling at no profit versus you know lower end pasta chicken dishes things like that you got to have that balance out right like why do high-end steakhouses from Chicago when they started selling steaks at $50 a steak, the profit margin was still very low. So that's why they bang in a side of mashed potatoes for like 15 bucks. That's where they make Of course. Money. And liquor, of liquor course. and mashed potatoes and a side of asparagus. They make almost no money off of a Wagyu beef. No. I don't see how they could. No. Their sides are 
especially now. Yeah. Just curious, what did it cost you at Outback to go to a mid-level casual dine? Do you remember? So Yeah, so uh, two beers, an appetizer, two entrees, $66.32. Oh, that's not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Two Coronas were eleven fifty eight. The Bloomin' Onion was nine ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, my chicken dish was sixteen ninety nine, which That's I felt was good. a little too high because it was a, it was a chicken breast, mm-hmm. right? They butterflied it. Looked like a heart shape on the dish. Right. It was really cute. Uh, but then I had two sides with it, so there was a, a Caesar salad, obviously that I couldn't eat, and uh, loaded baked potato. Pretty good. And then Vinny got the salmon. Uh, the eight ounce salmon and, um, he got, I think one side, I think he got the, um, the broccoli and that was all. Yeah. Got it. And his was uh 2249, but that I expected because it's fish. So moving along onto our episode entitled excited Easter is here. Excited. Well, some fun things about Easter in the restaurant business. But before we get started, a couple little fun facts. Uh, as we know, Easter isn't just about a bunny. It's a religious holiday. And this is not to be religious, but this is our 33rd episode. And Jesus was what age when he was died and resurrected? 33. Yes. So I just thought I would point that out. Little um, little CCD <laughs> from the Roman Catholic Church, 19, circa 1989, coming out of the, coming out of the head there. I love um, it. I <laughs> just thought I'd point that out. And also, as me being half Italian, and I believe you're a full Italian. Yes. Did your family do the Easter pie pizza game? Oh, the um, the Easter bread. We call it Easter bread. What What is it? What, what was your What was your version of it? Easter bread is just like this round, oh. round piece of bread with egg in it. With it, with, with a, like, but with the dyed with the egg in egg. the middle. Yeah, but it's like yeah. with the shell and everything. Right. Um, delicious, sweet, very delicious, very delicious. And it had, you know, you could put the colored eggs in there or whatever you could do it braided. Um, yeah, I know what traditionally Italian is that you, you have the piece and the egg is in the middle and you cook the bread around the, around the egg. So yeah. 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 I know about that. And then there's also, you guys didn't do pizza gain, huh? Pizza gain. Is that what it's called? No, that's something else. Pizza di Pasquale or pizza gain. P-I-Z-Z-A-G-A-I-N-A. This is an Easter tradition. Some people call it Easter pie. Semi-more European, but definitely derived from Italian. This is was on our table. It'll give you a heart attack. Um, it's a pie. It was before, usually after the Manigot. We'll do this. Oh, pizza rustica. Oh, pizza rustica, right. That's the other. That was how that's, they, You're throwing that's, me there. I'm like, yeah, pizza rustica. <laughs> That, that must be, I've heard that term. That must be Long Island. In Jersey, it's pizza gain. No, no. Pizza rustica, right? It's, um, it's got meats in it. It's got egg. It's, yeah. So as we go into this time working in restaurants, um, anybody who runs a restaurant or knows how to run a restaurant or own ones knows that this is a big brunch day. Did you ever go out for Easter? Or do you no. guys cook at home? Really? It was I, all tried Italian tradition. You're home on Sundays. You're eating... Obviously, pizza rustica, lamb. Lamb is a big thing. Stuffed oh, lamb. Oh, yeah, we do the lamb. I hate lamb, though, but that's the one you're Or stuffed eating. veal, one of the two, depending on what you're into. Um, yeah. yeah, everybody comes over, and yes. uh, we never really went out, not even for brunch or breakfast or anything like that. Everything was at you know, either my grandparents or my parents. So now that everything, everyone's older, I've been con- years trying to convince my family to go out, and no, nobody will go to do a brunch. 
And I'm talking, these are nice brunches. It's like 80 bucks a person. It's like F this stuff, but whatever. It's, it's always nice to cook at home, but it's, but for those, uh, Metagons out there, <laughs> they might want to. Metagons. I... <laughs> who go out on it, Easter. Man. Your Guido is showing. I yep. love it. <laughs> they go out, they can go out to a lot of different places. Um, there's a lot of big brunches. I have worked many Easter's through my career doing brunch yes, i remember so running and doing brunch and then running home for easter dinner and it's a big brunch day it's a big reservation day so first you know tip if you are going to be operating that day start managing your reservation book today because easter yeah. is around the corner in fact probably if in fact if you're doing it today you're probably behind the game already because yeah. that's going to be your money maker because if you do a good brunch and you're known for a good brunch you're going to fill up it's a great day to capitalize on sales, and it's a great day to control your dining room because I love operating restaurants where it's all reservations because you already know what your day is before you unlock the door. Exactly. And you, exactly. you know when you're going to be busy and when you're going to be slow, and it just makes it easier than having that, you know, people walking in, drop and fire, it's dead, drop fire type of mentality. Second thing is you want to, you know, some places do the create your own, eat your buffet I think that can be a good thing, but you got to watch out with COVID now still. There's going to so make sure that you look safe. You know, perception yeah. is everything. Absolutely. Um, and then maybe if not, see, if I ran a restaurant, I would go brunch buffet and then a very special Easter dinner. That's, that's a five course prefix that, would, that I would roll. I'd probably close the restaurant about 3.30 to 4, do a quick switch over and then get ready for the, for the dinner time. Agreed. Smart move. Smart move. Plan activities for kids. I, I remember working one restaurant when I was younger. The general manager, was, I thought it was stupid when it started. It was Easter. She brought in chalk and zoned off a part of the parking lot so the kids could draw on the sidewalk while people waited. And that was the greatest idea ever. What else can you do for kids, right? Have a Maybe have an egg, egg dyeing section while kids wait. If you're that there kind you of go. restaurant. Have Cheerios in a bag. Throw them at them. Shut up. Eat this. You know, while they're waiting. Whatever it is. I would have a water station set up because you might have to have guests waiting even for 10 minutes with the reservation. Let's be honest, that happens sometimes in that type of mm -hmm. environment. Have water, have stuff there, get something in front of them. And the next thing that I would recommend is the second the guest hits that table, have a special thing that hits the table when they hit the table. Have the, have the back waiters come, fill up the water glasses, whatever it is. Maybe it's a special milky Cinnabon thing that you put on the table as a complimentary thing. Do the Easter bread. Do the Easter bread with the egg. Mini yeah, you know, Easter eggs. Mini yep. Easter breads. There you go. That, there you go. Do the mini Easter egg. Did you ever, you know, got me thinking, did you ever eat at Il Molino in, um, with the West Village? My, it's one of my all-time favorite Italian restaurants. We got to go there. I think I probably have. Expenses of this hell. But you go there. Very familiar. Right? Every it's the real professional waiter. Every waiter is like sixty years old, and they've been working there for one hundred and fifty years. Yeah, your table is covered in food before you have a menu on the hand. It's like going to your grandmother's house. Oh yeah, they give you fried zucchini, uh, a mini cheese platter, mini meat platter. And this is all complimentary before yeah. you even have anything. That's that's I would I would address it that way going into that holiday because the other reason is kids are going to come out. Have you ever actually worked in Easter brunch, Christine, in your career? I have yes, uh, plenty of places. It's it's so hard because the kids are there and the parents want to tame them immediately, and that is the key to creating that great experience on that holiday. Is what can you yeah, do? Yeah, we to even get the gave kids? them what coloring books and crayons. There you go, coloring books and crayons. Old school, best way to go. Yeah, keeps them occupied. And 
you know, I've, I've seen other crazy things going on. But this is a little far-fetched. It depends on the property you're on. But Easter egg hunts going on all day. And also an Easter-themed photo booth. And I also worked and I've seen Easter bunnies popping in throughout service in restaurants, which is another Yes. Easter bunnies yeah. with a little treat for the kids, like a, maybe a little bag of candy or mm -hmm. little peeps. I've seen that also. Yeah. I've also seen, and you've mentioned it, Instagram, right? So let them do their Easter theme photo booth and incorporate Instagram too, because Instagram is, is everywhere now and kids are into it and the parents are into it. And I think that's a great way to show it. Um, but, and then also balloons. Yeah. We had this guy, uh, when I used to work brunch over at Friday's years ago, the balloon guy, mm. um, he would, his name was Mike, Mike Ranelli. I remember him like it was yesterday and we're talking like late nineties, early 2000. He would come in Easter, Easter Sunday and just walk around in a bunny outfit, making balloons for the kids and keeping them occupied. <laughs> it was the best thing ever. Yeah. Was that a Friday's thing? I think I remember Friday's by my house doing that on like Sundays. Animal yes, balloons. it was it definitely was a Friday's, Friday's thing. Hmm. Interesting. That was when you were wearing uh, suspenders and striped shirts. That's oh, how far back I'm days. going. I, lo I loved going to Fridays back in the day when I was a kid. Yeah. Fridays was great. I think I'm going to go there again. There has to be some, some floating around. It's not the same. No. No. It's so different. So the, the experience is just night and day from what it was back in the late 90s, early 2000s. Night and day. The excitement isn't there anymore with the staff. Yeah, they just you just see them going through the motions. Like when I worked there, we were exciting, excited. We would carry each other out on our shoulders like we would have fun. We just basically just got to kid around the whole day. As long as your your tables were waited on and your customers were happy and everybody was having a good time, there was not a care in the world. Right. And that's just the culture that Fridays was back in the day. Now it's very. I don't know, very, not that they're serious because servers will have fun with you, but it's not as fun on the service side as it was years ago. The culture has changed dramatically with mm. Fridays. Reasons for it, but still it affected the way the dining rooms run now. So cool. kind of like the server robots. Yeah, you but see yeah. a lot of that, the robotic stuff. But uh, yeah, I think those are some great promotional ideas for, uh, for Easter. Uh, definitely agree with Keith and want to reiterate plan now, uh, and get your reservations in order. Definitely plan now because especially that COVID is over with, right? Well, I think COVID, COVID is over with, uh, people are going to be coming out more than they came out last year or the year before, without a doubt, your restaurants are going to get busy. People in Manhattan are already talking about, I'm reading it all over the place, how restaurant owners in Manhattan are already seeing the increase in business right now. And people are going out and enjoying the nightlife in Manhattan like they, they were doing in 2019. So everything is starting to take a turn for the better and people are going out. So mm -hmm. when it comes to holidays like this and you know that brunch is a big deal, get yourselves ready, man. Plan accordingly. Otherwise, you're going to get caught out and it's going to be a huge, uh, a huge disaster. And that's not what we want to give our guests, knowing that we're coming out of COVID and people want to go out with their families and out to eat. So definitely plan ahead. So with that, we have some bad news for our listeners. Um, we'll be okay. We're taking a little hiatus, taking a spring break. Spring break. We um, want to enjoy the coming weather. Coming off the bunny trail for a little bit, but we will be back a couple weeks, five, six weeks. You'll be hearing some great new episodes, a couple new guests that we were speaking to lined up. Hey, Christine, let me ask you something. Why shouldn't you tell an Easter egg a joke? Why? It might crack up. <laughs> oh dude man <laughs> gonna hashtag that dad joke man <laughs> that was a total dad joke 
But yeah, guys, so we're going to get ourselves organized again for mm-hmm. a second half of season two. But we are going to take a little break, concentrate on, you know, Salted and Davida and Hancock uh, and enjoy the nice weather. But we will definitely be back, like Keith said, in about five to six weeks. Uh, so enjoy us on YouTube. Uh, our channel is uh, being reworked and will be up and running in the next two weeks. So you could see us guys there. Um, go ahead and subscribe to Spotify and podcast. Go ahead and leave us a rating. That would be awesome. And then follow us and like us on Instagram and TikTok. Absolutely. Remember, don't forget to put a bow on that basket before you give it to your kids. It's been a pleasure talking to everybody. We'll see you soon. Like us on everything. Have a great holiday. Bye.